Tonight we're actually ending our series in the life of King Asa in our series Seeking God. And uh, I will say this, I don't know if I'm allowed to, but I think tonight we probably have my favorite guest speaker that we'll have literally the rest of the year. Uh, So Shannon Butler was the former pastor of 710. And uh, I could say a lot of jokes about Shannon, but one thing I know is you don't say a joke about somebody who's going to have a mic after you. And so I'll kind of spare that. But here's what I'll say, and I really mean this. God has used Shannon in my life to change me into, like, incredible ways. Like, there are parts of my life that were not yet conformed to Christ, and God used Shannon in my life to uh, bring a lot of transformation, honestly. And I had the privilege of walking with him, and uh, I think what is most impressive about Shannon of many things is uh, the way that he would walk with people, and many of you know this in the room, like, Shannon walked with people better than, like, anybody I've ever seen. Like, I actually don't know if I know of a pastor who's walked with people and cared about their stories and, like, followed up and reached out and is full of wisdom and compassion and love. And so I think a lot of the, like, ways that I aspire to be a pastor is directly related to Shannon Butler over here. Shannon Butler also played football at NAU. He might actually be in the Hall of Fame there, too. Deontay, you got competition here. (laughs) All right, guys, will you give uh, Shannon Butler a warm welcome? My guy. Hey, what's going on, 17? How y'all doing? All right, all right. Well, uh, Corey, those were high praises, brother. I actually had to double take and make sure you was talking about me. Uh, Who is new tonight? Who's, Who's never been to 17 tonight? It's okay. Raise your hand. Oh, God bless you. All right, here's another thing. God bless you too, sir. Who, are you guys thinking about going on the retreat? Probably not. Maybe. Maybe. Well, here's the deal. Here's what I want to do. I want to pay for that sweatshirt for you, and I want to pay for the sweatshirt for you tonight because I believe in paying it forward, and I believe this is going to be a blessing. Even if you don't go, check out the, the reviews of what happens from a, a retreat. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. So y'all make sure to see me tonight, and I'll take care of that for you guys. Uh, and they're, they're just those two. All right, so don't nobody else come to me. <laughs> um, so... Here's the deal. If, if you guys would allow me, I, I just I want a minute or so just to share from the heart real quick. I'm so incredibly thankful for the church redemption, redemption Gilbert, but more importantly, 710. This ministry has meant so much to me and my, my family, and I mean that. Uh, my wife and I, we got married in, in 2007. Uh, that would be, we're coming up on 16 years. And so in 2000, oh, God bless you. Yeah. Well, the reason I share that is because 2008 is when we started coming around. And we were living in Flagstaff at the time. And we would drive down to visit this place called 710. And 2000 and fast forward, 2015-16, uh, we moved out to be a part of uh, Redemption, and this ministry has been so incredible in a number of ways, in my spiritual formation, in my leadership de- uh, development, in my whatever preaching and teaching skills uh, that are still being developed. Uh, God used 710 in such incredible ways into in my own personal life. 
And so on behalf of my wife and my two kids, we're super thankful for this ministry and we're thankful for the leadership that this ministry has. And if you are new tonight, i.e. you two, um, you're in a safe space. It's a great space to be able to figure out life, faith, community. And, and this is a safe space for you to be able to just kind of wrestle with your faith. This is a safe space. This is a great space to be in. And it is all in part because of the Holy Spirit that is inside of the leadership at this church and inside of 710. So I just want to say from the bottom of my heart how thankful and proud I am of this ministry and how proud I am of Corey and the work he's doing. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that. Now let's get into some shenanigans. Um, how many of you guys have been driving around and you see, like, warning signs and you, you kind of go, that don't necessarily apply to me. Who's ever been there? Come on, who, be honest, be honest. Hold on, hold on. Go, just go ahead and get to the good one. Get to the good one. So I live in, I live in Florida. I'm in Tallahassee. And these signs are almost everywhere near a body of water. Watch out. And I ain't going to say every other week, but I will say that every other t- Oh, my gosh. This happened like, uh, this happened like three weeks ago. Nah, maybe like a month ago. That uh, a guy was walking his dog. Yeah, yeah. And the dog went kind of close and was taking a little drink, right? He was doing a sippy sippy. Oh. <laughs> and, 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 and then after a while, Fido got missing, right? And the, the dude is panicky, he's freaking out, but he's also trying to get out of Dodge because he don't want to be next. I mean, these, these signs all over the place. And you know what people do? Ah, yeah, that ain't me. That ain't for me. Uh, I got a story. I got another story. So last week I was at... I was at the FSU Clemson game, and this guy, random dude, never met him before, uh, he's telling me a story. Uh, he had moved from New York, and he was down uh, for a job. He had got a job in Tallahassee, and so he's working, and he decided to take his family to the beach. And, and this was a time where, you know, going to the beach is a regular thing. It was, you know, kind of one of those warmer days, and so he's out in the ocean, and he realized that him and his family was the only ones in the, in the ocean. And so when he gets out of, the, out of the water, he's like, hey, babe, I'm itching. Are you itching? He's, she's like, yeah, I'm itching. Why, you know, what, what's going on? Well, come to find out, <laughs> they were swimming in a school, in a, a pool of uh, jellyfish. <laughs> he's like, I'm slowly learning the Floridian curve of what to do and what not to do. And then, and then he said, and if that didn't make matters worse, he had some friends that were coming to visit, but they wanted to do the whole like Florida tour or whatever, so start from the south and work their way up. Well, they came a week before Hurricane Ian. Now, there's all kind of warning signs. Hey, there's a storm heading this way. There's a hurricane that's right now a, a Category 3, but that could easily get to a Category 4. Stay, like, like, don't come down here. Go, like, stay where you are or evacuate. But these guys go, ah. <laughs> that, that's. So they come on down. <laughs> a, a day or two later, Hurricane Ian hits. Now, let me show you a picture. These are before and after pictures. 
Look, look at the devastation that just, and this just happened. Our church where I'm at right now, we're, we're going to be sending the team down uh, in the next like week or so to help with some of the cleanup. That's the biggest need that they have. The, the cleanup down there is just incredible. So these warning signs that all over the place and people go, ah, not me. That doesn't apply to me. I'm the special occasion. Well, when I started, when Corey hit me up about a month ago, I was like, dude, if she's going to be out here, would you like to teach at 710? I was like, bet. <laughs> Say less. He was like, we're going to be teaching on Second uh, uh, Chronicles chapter 14, 15, and 16. I said, pause. What? Bro, I barely know what Second Chronicles is. Let alone what's going on in that, in that part of the story. Now, if, if Goheen heard that, he would probably be very displeased. That was our seminary professor. But nevertheless, uh, I started reading that story. And I'm going to tell you something. This story has grappled my heart. Not got a hold of. It has, like, almost suffocated my heart. And not because of 14 and 15. I think a lot of us have experienced 14 and 15 in a number of ways. The excitement of the Lord entering into your heart for the first time. The excitement being around community and being around other believers who are on fire. The excitement of being in worship services. and God, all the warms and fuzzies just get all over you, right? It's chapter 16. It's chapter 16 that, that really started wrenching my heart of how the warning signs are there. And when you ignore the warning signs, a wholehearted person becomes half-hearted instantaneously and ultimately leads to a faltering faith. I wanted to title this message... Uh, uh, a faltering faith or something along those lines. But the more I started reading, the more I was just studying in this deal, the, the words like warning, warnings against half-heartedness, the warnings of what half-heartedness leads to just started just resonating with me. And so tonight, I... I I wanted this to be like a good, warm and fuzzy kind of like homecoming message. But unfortunately, it's going to be jammed packed with warnings. So buckle up. I'm going to be here for another 35, 40 minutes. So let's pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us through this text. Father, we are so grateful for this moment. We're grateful for this time and what you're doing. Would you give us... Now, ears to hear, soften hearts. For those who don't know you, God, I pray that you would draw them into yourself in this moment. I pray that this, this word that is alive, active, breathing, moving on our behalf would continue to do the work that you called it to do. And would you do to the human heart what only you can do in moments like these? Would you step me out of the way, Father, and allow the words of heaven to come forth as these warnings of half-heartedness? 
are shared. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, yes, Second, Second Chronicles chapter 16. And I want to set it up like this. So last week, a couple of weeks, I believe, Corey has been challenging us all with this ideal of wholehearted like faithfulness and, and a wholehearted com- commitment unto the Lord. And, and this wholehearted commitment looks like obeying God's word. It looks like taking and valuing the word of God and, and, and actually applying it to our lives. And, and honestly, again, if you've been here for the entire series, you know, I mean, King Asa was just that. I mean, let's, let me, I'm going to read um, from 14, chapter 2. Listen at, listen at this description of King Asa. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. He removed the foreign altars and high places, smashed the, stone, the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah, he commanded his people to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. King Asa was on fire for the Lord, fully committed. That phrase, seeking God, is mentioned nine times in this short phrase, in the short chapters of of Asa's life, from, from 14 to 15. Nine different times. So when something is repeated in the Bible nine times, we need to pay attention to it. Nine different times. So one would lead, what in the world happened to King Asa? Well, let me, let me just read this last portion. This is in 15, uh, the end of verse 17. It says this, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life up until that point. He brought into the temple of God the silver and gold and the articles that he, had, he and his father had dedicated. There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. King Asa was lit. Is that what the young people are saying? I don't And I got a little old. King Asa was on fire. King Asa was fully committed. And then we're going to pick up in 16, and we're going to start to see some this slippery slope starts to happen. And I started figuring out, I started trying to wrap my head around, like, what would lead a man, a man of, of God who's on fire, fully committed, right, seeking God in every direction, to this half-heartedness? Now, I have to use my spiritual imagination here because it's not necessarily written in between um, 15, chapter 15, verse 19, and 16, verse 1. There's a 20-year period. There's a 20-year gap that happens there. So we got to, we got to utilize our, our imagination and do a little bit of research of what is going on here that caused this dude to f- start to fall away. Well, the first thing that came to mind is this. And these are some things that I'm telling you, if, if you're paying attention, you, you would be able to recognize like, oh, that that's actually could happen to me in 2022. The first thing was this. Asa was, was, was steeped in comfort, the, the idolatry of comfort. He hadn't had to strategize a war in 20 years. And if you think uh, the, the idol of comfort is not a thing, check this out. Try driving around Phoenix in the summertime with no AC. I rest my case. So, so comfort is one thing. The second thing I think Asa was wrestling with was arrogance and pride. 
every war that he had won, it was like, it was not even close. It was, it was <laughs> dang, I don't know why that just came to my mind. Florida State getting blown out week in and week out. Oh, Lord, help, help our team. Um, oh, if you're a Cardinals fan, don't get, don't get all hubby-dubby on me. But these, these wars were not even close. They, they're killing the game. And the reason they're doing that is because God himself is fighting the battles. It's God who's winning the wars. Asa is just giving, getting the credit for it. So, so when all you do is win, 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 shout out to Reverend DJ Kelly. Um, <laughs> pride and arrogance can, can, can seep in a little bit. Then the last thing I think is King Asa had the had this, the 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 forgetums had a had a case of the forgetums like like forgot what God had done forgot had got how God had brought him into those spaces and caused him to win. There's a verse in Judges two ten that says this, and there arose an entire generation. A whole generation who did not know God or the things that God had done. And what the author was referring to, a generation, two generations prior to that one, was the ones that had been freed from uh, the children of Israel who had been freed from Pharaoh and his army, the ones that walked (laughs) on a whole dry land through the Red Sea, who had provided, God had provided manna from heaven for 40 years. Wandering through the wilderness and God protecting them the entire way. And two generations after that, they had not known God or what he had done. And these are, these are troubling. That is troubling to not know God or what he has done, especially what he has done in your life or your family's life. And these are the things that Asa is wrestling with, I, I believe, to, to my core. And, and now we're going to see how his wholeheartedness is starting to fickle out and, and trickle into a, a half-hearted faith. So we're going to pick up in 16. It says this. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, went up to against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent any, anyone from leaving or entering the territory as Asa, king of Judah. So let me, let me just share a little bit of what's happening here. Uh, this, this Basha king, he's, he's not a good dude. He's trying to, they, again, they haven't been at war for 20 years, so they're over there asleep, right? They, so he's going to come in and he's going to catch them while they're sleeping with their hands in the cookie jars, uh, so to speak. So he's going to build essentially an a, uh, entrapment around them or encampment around them. He's going to trap them in. There's only one way in and one way out. And King Asa ain't got a clue of what's about to happen. So instead of King Asa doing what he would have done in chapter 14, crying out to the Lord, uh, some of the spiritual disciplines kind of kicking in, Fasting and praying, seeking the Lord. You would think that, that that's the direction that King Asa is heading. And my 
Famous words of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Verse 2 says this, Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. Let there be a treaty between you and me, he said, as there were between my father and your father. See, I am sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so he will withdraw from me. So to our first point of this half-heartedness, avoiding the dangers of half-heartedness, is because half-heartedness leads to unwise compromise. Half-heartedness leads to unwise compromise. King Asa was seeking God. Now he's stealing from God. That don't sound smart. King Asa had a treaty with the Lord. Now his treaty is with man. And here's the crazy thing. Just a couple of chapters ago, he was, he was tearing down idols. He was, I mean, when, when you're so on fire for the Lord that you will go up against grandma and, and knock her in the head and say, get out of here, old lady. We're going to be after the Lord in, our, in this place. Now, I'm just telling you something, man. Growing up in the South and from a, a black family, you go up against grandma you want her. I ain't talking about the six foot... <laughs> I ain't talking about the six-foot dude named Tyler Perry dressed as a lady. I'm talking about big mama. I'm talking about real grandma. <laughs> You're going to have some problems. But this dude, man, I'm fully committed to this thing of honoring the Lord. And now a chapter later, he's trying to, he's trying to make a treaty with an ungodly king. Un. Wise compromises come from half-heartedness. And this leads me to our, our second point that half-heartedness leads to thinking you can outsmart God. Listen at this. Ben-Hadad agreed with King Asa and sent the commanders of his forces against the towns of Israel. They conquered Aijon, Dan, Abel, Mom, and all the stored cities of Naphtali. When when Basha heard this, he stopped building Ramah and abandoned his work. Then King Asa brought all the men of Judah and carried away from Ramah the stones and the timber Basha had been using. With them, he built Jeba and Maspah. So what Asa decided to do is, hey, instead of me leaning and depending on the Lord, here's how I'm going to get what I want done. I'm going to just go ahead and get my people to do the bidding for me. I'm going to go ahead and get cities and, 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 and these countries, these other nations that I want to, to, to basically do what King Basha is trying to do to, to the children of Israel. I'm going to just do the same thing. But check this out. I'm going to do it without consulting the Lord. This, this ain't even up there. This just came to me. Half-heartedness. One of the things of half-heartedness, you start to see that you make decisions without the Lord being consulted. That's just a freebie. Making decisions and going about your life as if God has nothing to do with it. And so thinking that you can outsmart God usually puts you in a, in a place, in a, in a bad place, and it, and it keeps you there for a long time. <laughs> when I was in, uh, it was my, my freshman year. So I, I played at, uh, I was at a junior college first before I went to NAU. And uh, I was vi visiting home. <laughs> I was 19, so 
Give me grace. 19. My mom thought it would be a good idea to get me a credit card to have as an emergency. The balance on the thing was 500 bucks. Mom was not thinking properly. Um, <laughs> she said, Shannon, use this only for emergencies. I was like, right, gotcha. <laughs> I, I, it, it was not, <laughs> it wasn't a week later. <laughs> I got a speeding ticket, and this speed ticket was out of, give me grace, I was 19. I was racing a buddy of mine. We were on... I ain't been saved always. We was racing on this busy street in Tallahassee, Tennessee Street. Ask Paul about it. He know it. We're racing, and it's, it's like 10 o'clock at night, and I'm thinking I'm winning because my dude slowed down, but what he did, he's paid attention up ahead. There was a police officer, and before I knew it, the, the blue and red was a whoop, whoop. But it come to the car, he said, hey, man, where's the fire? <laughs> said, officer, you got me. I was... Racing my buddy. He said, yeah, I know. I got him first, and then you came out of nowhere. <laughs> so congratulations. Here you are. $460. Now, I'm going to outsmart the system. My mama just gave me this credit card. Pay for this deal. Now, here's the only thing. I'm going to pay for this deal. I got to go to California in about a week or so. That notice cannot come back to the house until I get to California. Once I get to California, I'm free and clear. That's what I'm thinking. I get to California, and this is the first time my mom had come out, so she, get, she wants to get a, a rental car. So guess what car she uses to try to get a rental car? That credit card. She, she says, hey, Shannon, give, give him the card. I said, yes, ma'am. Now, I know good well. <laughs> that card ain't going to pay for this. <laughs> well, what am I doing? I'm... The dude comes back, hey, uh, ma'am, I'm sorry. This, this card shows that there's insufficient funds on it. She, Mama, sir, that's, that's impossible. This card's never been used. Just swipe it again. Try it again. So God does it again, comes back, ma'am, I, I don't know what to tell you. This card has insufficient funds and been declined. My mom get in full black woman mode when she's ready to give her attitude. She get the hand on the hip. She get the side there. <laughs> Ain't no way. This card ain't been used. This card, we just got this card two weeks ago, blah, blah, blah. Shannon, did you use this card? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Let me just say, I, I'm so glad there were, there were video cameras all around that space. If, if, if looks could kill, well, y'all would never know who I was. I thought I got away with it, y'all. I thought I was good. I had made it to Cali. The plan was working until the plan wasn't working. And all that outsmarting, all that trying to figure out and trying to stay a, a step ahead, I'm only digging a, a hole for myself. And that's exactly what King Asa is doing here. He's trying to stay ahead of the curve. He's trying to outsmart God. But all the while, he's just digging a hole for himself. And, and, and I'm telling you something. This hole is only going to get deeper. Listen, listen, listen at this. Verse 9, if you, if, you are, if you have a Bible, if you have it on your phone, if, like put this verse into, like, like highlight it, 
Put it in your heart. David says, I, I hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. These need to be one of those memory verses. These need to be one of those, those, those verses that, that is embedded into your heart. The seer that came to see King Asa, he said this. At the time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you've relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet you relied on the Lord. He delivered them into your hands. Verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I'm going to read that one more time. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking. He's searching. He's, he's not just a God who doesn't do anything, who's just sitting high and looking low. He's actually active in this thing. And King Asa has the nerve to feel like he can do it on his own. That leads me to our next point. Half-heartedness leads to self-reliance. Half-heartedness leads to self-reliance. The seer, he goes on to say this, you have done a foolish thing, and from now on you will be at war. Dr. Evans, a pastor out in Texas, he had this quote. I love this so much. He says this, past spiritual victories doesn't equal future spiritual victories or spiritual successes. Past spiritual victories do not equal future spiritual success. What does that mean? If you are a young lady, and you have decided you're no longer going to date bums. Praise God. (laughs) But that doesn't equal in five years from now, 10 years from now, that a bum won't try to come and get to you. If you're a young man in here, and you're trying your best to be holy, you're trying your best to be pure, You may get a victory now, but that don't mean 10 years from now you're going to get that same victory. If if there's a a so what here in this moment right now, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. That's the whole point. I'm going to go ahead and say it. The whole point of this story. It's not how Asa started. He started out great. It's about how he finished, and he's finishing poorly. Half-heartedness also leads to a hardened heart. Listen at how King Asa responds. Verse 10, Asa was furious. He was angry with the seer. Let me, let me share this. So a seer was someone in the day. So there's a difference between a seer and a, a prophet. A seer was someone who would be able to see what God was saying through a vision, through a dream. Like God would speak through them to them through dreams and visions. A prophet, God would speak to them. Words. You hear words. God said, right? 
So, so the difference between a seer and a, and a prophet is essentially how they're hearing from God. Nevertheless, Asa was angry with the seer because of this. He was in, so enraged, he put him in prison. Again, he thought he was outsmarting God. He's putting himself in a hole. And at the same time, Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. King Asa went from an honoring king, a wholehearted, fully devoted king unto the Lord, to an oppressive king. And here's the beauty of it. The Lord in this entire thing is trying to shake Asa. Hey, warning. You're heading down a very bad path. And King Asa is ignoring all of the warning signs. And this leads me to our last kind of point for the night. Half-heartedness leads to us not taking sin serious. It could lead to you not even taking sin serious any longer. Listen at verse 11 through 14. The events of Asa's reign from beginning to the end are written in the book of kings of Judah and of Israel. In the 39th year... Of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Asa got gout. That's a real deal. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord. This is the first time we see seeking God or seeking help in the horrific way, in the tragic way. Because in the worst moment of his life, He's not seeking him. But only the physicians. Verse 13, then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his ancestors. They buried him in a tomb that he had cut out for himself in the city of David. They laid him in a, on a barrier, covered him with spices and various blended perfumes. They made a huge fire in his honor. So there's a couple of things going on here. Um, that fire was not them cremating King Asa. That, that fire was an, a God-honoring thing because King Asa was actually considered to be a good king. He just finished extremely poorly. But, but here's why this story matters, and, and I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a share from a personal kind of level. Um, when I, was, when I was reading through this, and this is, this is why it grippled, grappled my heart, I started thinking about all the leaders, every, every kind of pastor that I've had in my life, every um, spiritual kind of leader. I started thinking, how many of them finished well? That list was extremely short. Then I started thinking, how many... How many leaders, how many pastors that, that I've admired from afar that didn't finish well? And I'm telling you, it just, it, it, it just grabbed my heart and my attention. First thing is because I don't want to be another statistic. I don't want my wife's testimony to be he was a good dude, but man, he was not a good husband. 
he was not faithful. I don't want my kids' testimony to be, dad was around, but dad was, was not really a good dad behind closed doors. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing is this. If you think you don't have a King Asa inside of you, you're sadly mistaken. King Asa is in all of us at some variable or another. There's a King Asa in all of us. And it, don't take, it, it takes very little for that fire to dim down to a little spark. This is a warning. Don't allow that to happen. Now, I'm not saying you can do this in your own strength. I'm not saying, hey, pull yourself up by your own spiritual bootstraps, right? That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is have self-awareness. You're called to participate in this faith walk, in this faith journey. And participation in this faith journey, it gets hard. But lo, there's one who's with you. There's one who is greater. So what does a message like this, what, what, what does, how can we take something that was written in 864 A.D., 800 years before Christ even came on the scene? What, how would this story matter to us in 2022? I'm glad you asked. I got a few takeaways here. Ways to avoid half-heartedness is by participating in wholehearted devotion. Ways to avoid half-heartedness is by participating in wholehearted devotion unto the Lord. Now, wholehearted devotion unto the Lord starts with repentance. Starts with recognizing your need for a Savior. If we can't recognize, if we don't, if we don't have self-awareness of going, I, mean, I know I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not as bad as the other guy, right? Like, if that's our view, we're in some bad shape. But lo unto me, as Paul writes, I am the chief sinner. God can utilize that. Recognizing our, our role with repentance in our need of a savior. The second wholehearted participation comes through participating in community. And I'm gonna invite Ben to come up. Do you guys know how the heart, the human heart is formed? Does anybody know how the human heart is formed? Yeah, dang, I hope I get this right. So, <laughs> I heard this story years ago from Someone is somewhat credible, so I'm just taking his word. Uh, so I thought the human heart was formed through, like, like the same way lungs, uh, all the other organs, like it, it just, it's, it's small in, in embryo and it just grows with the body. Well, the human heart actually, when the embryo is there, it's, uh, they're cells at first. You got these Hundreds of thousands of cells just in the body swimming around beating. And what happens over time is those cells, they're trying, to, they're trying to match the same rhythm 
of the other cell and attach themselves. And when they do that, when all those cells do that, the heart then forms and then it starts to beat together, growing. Here's the deal. The heart is the only organ that if it does not work, everything else is done. Think about that. Your brain, you can be brain dead, right? Brain, no waves, no activities, but you're still alive. You don't need lungs. Maybe one. Arm, leg, right? That heart. And what you have here, 710, is a community of like rhythm beating. And this community has formed the thriving heart of this church. That's what I love about 710. There's none of this like uh, hierarchy, like I'm trying to outdo the other. I want to be more noticed or whatever. We're all a community. We're all a family here. But guess what happens when division or, or half-heartedness set in? Starts to break apart. This is a warning, 710. Be in wholehearted community. Be in wholehearted community with the Lord and wholehearted community with each other. Then the last takeaway would be this. To avoid this half-heartedness, be in wholehearted, participate in wholehearted worship. Again, we're not, we're not just some, some bystanders just watching this thing called church and Christianity go before us. We're called to participate in this thing. Romans 12 says this, Romans 12, uh, 2. Now, let me just let me make sure I'm hitting it head on. Actually, it's 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Living. You know what living is, right? You're, you're, you're alive. If you're alive, this is your call to participate. Participate in sacrificial living, dying to self. Participate in holiness. Because this, this is pleasing to God. And this is your true and proper worship. Now it's cool, man. We're going to sing loud. We're going to sing at the top of our lungs to a holy God that is worthy of our praise. But that's not all to worship. Worship is what you do outside of this building. And here's the most beautiful thing of it all. We have a perfect example of what wholehearted worship is. We have a perfect example of what wholehearted community is. We have a perfect example of what wholehearted need for the Father. It's in Jesus. God participated in wholehearted worship. He wasn't half-hearted when he gave his son over for us. He wasn't half-hearted and stingy with the grace and mercy that we deserve death. 
Let, let that sit in. We don't deserve to be in this space right now. We deserve eternity in separation from a holy God. But because of this wholehearted act of love, through God and his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus carried out that mission wholeheartedly. I thank God he didn't give up in, in the courtyard area. Most theologians and most historians believe that if it was any, any normal person, they would have died in that courtyard. After 39 lashes, where your, your rib cage is open, your backs of your, of your uh, lungs and stuff, all of that is exposed. He was wholehearted in carrying that cross to Calvary. He was wholehearted with those three nails. He participated in wholehearted worship and devotion unto God by crying out, Father, it is finished. But praise God, the story doesn't end there because he participated in wholehearted worship and rising on the third day. That you and I, we get to now join in. And again, if you're new here tonight, if you go, man, this faith stuff, man, I don't. Here's all I'm saying. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Who is Jesus? Not to everybody in here, but to you. Look into it. Investigate. There's not a better choice. There's not a better decision. To live in a life wholehearted and fully committed unto the Lord. For the rest of us in here, you know who you are. Some of us have been straddling the fence. Some of us have been, been, been playing both sides, if you will. And I'm going to leave space for you and the Lord to deal with that. Yeah, because I, I think I, I, I flew 3,000 miles or so to say, Stop it. God doesn't deal in half-heartedness. So I'm going to leave some space here. I want to allow you to work through that. Cast your cares on him because he cares. And after some time, we're going to be led in worship. And here's the deal. Sing your lungs out. Lose your voice. We serve a holy God and he's deserving of it. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the commitment that you have towards us through your son and thank you for the ways that you have given us warning signs and help us to pay attention. Give us eyes to see. Give us softened hearts, God. Do not harden our hearts. Awaken the souls of those in this space, God, who have taken your grace for granted. For those who are 
on fire for you and love you and, and going hard after you, God, I pray that this would be just another sign to them, God, to continue on the path of wholehearted devotion. Jesus, we thank you for our time here today. We love you so much. We ask that your mercy and your power and your strength would rest on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.